If you love to read books, chances are you love to talk about them too. But have you ever wondered about whether your favorite celebrities or public figures love to read as well? If you might share a favorite book or preferred genre with them? Well, I sure have. So I'm on a mission to find book lovers, book nerds, if you will, in unexpected places. In this interview series, I'll be talking with people you recognize but don't necessarily associate with books, musicians, actors and actresses, athletes, and more. We will be discussing all of their current projects you want to hear about, of course, but we will also be digging into their unique reading and writing lives. In this interview, I chat with Kendall Long, a fan favorite from the popular television shows The Bachelor and Bachelor in Paradise. Kendall is releasing her first book in November titled Just Curious, A Notebook of Questions, which is meant to serve as both a journal for self-reflection while also providing questions to be used with others in order to strengthen and deepen personal relationships. Listen on to hear us discuss Just Curious, try out a few of the questions ourselves, and learn more about Kendall's passion for nonfiction books. All right, so today I've got Kendall Long with me. Kendall, thanks so much for taking the time to chat today. Of course, of course. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So I've taken to kind of a new pattern recently when I start off these chats with folks because this year has been so different and so difficult and nobody's in their kind of normal place and routine. Um, so I feel like first and foremost, I have to kind of check in with folks and just see like, how have you been doing and what have you been doing uh, during the pandemic? Yeah, I feel like initially in the beginning, it was hard to do anything because, you know, we were told to not do anything. <laughs> so I found out quickly that um, I needed to do a project or have something that I was really passionate about during this time and just take advantage of the time where um, I was able to put that time towards anything. Um, and that's kind of how I started um, publishing the book, Just Curious, um, because it was in a time where we were forced to be so separate. I would wanted to work on a project that worked on bringing people together. Gotcha. So was this a thought before this year happened? Had you thought about putting together kind of, you had all these questions, I guess, that you've used in your own personal life, but had you thought about putting that out in the world or was it really like the idea came up with what was happening this year? Um, I, I've been wanting to publish a book for such a long time. It was always that New Year's resolution that I had that never came to fruition. And um, I thought if anything, this is the year for so much change and this is the year to finally make it happen. Um, and I've been collecting questions since I was in college, just so long. So um, it's definitely something that's happened just like throughout my entire life that I'm finally sharing with people. Yeah. So I love, yeah, that you've had these, you've built on them through your life. You've used them yourself. Um, in your personal life, you've used them on The Bachelor, people will obviously know, with, with the book. So it's kind of set up with, you know, you've got kind of a, an introduction and some thoughts at the end, but I love that it's kind of set up like a journal, but the questions are also meant to be used with other people. So you can kind of self-reflect, you can use them in your relationships. Um, what are you most hoping that, that people will get out of using, using the book? For me, it just helped me in those weird, awkward moments during first dates or even at parties with your friends where you feel like you have no input or you can't say anything. Um, I used to struggle with being painfully shy and this book was just a way for me to start those conversations um, with people and to have like a fun game to get more creative with my conversations. 
Um, so yeah, that's kind of how, that's how it's inspired me. Um, but if anything, I hope people can use it to take the tools from the books, like the, the, from the book, the funny questions and be able to use them daily and have like a collection of their connections, like throughout their life. Yeah. I like that. And there's such a range. Like you said, there's some that are funny. There's some that are really deep. Um, and I'm kind of like you, like I classify myself as an introvert, even though I do things like this interview series, but it's, it's something I'm interested in talking about. So I like that idea of using it at parties because small talk, like for me is really difficult if it's not kind of something that's engaging and something I really want to be discussing. Yeah, it becomes so monotonous. You know, I find that a lot of my conversations would kind of go around the same thing over and over again, especially on first dates when you're trying to get to know somebody. Um, I feel like we have those classic questions of, let's talk about your siblings or what you were doing for work. But the book itself is meant to like branch out of that and to break free from the, like, the monotonous conversations that we're so used to having. Um, and for me, it's also how I can differentiate, like, you know, different dates that I've been on. It's like, oh, that's when we talked about something really weird as opposed to, you know, so um, I think a lot of my conversations really stand out um, against each other because I have had, like, something fun to talk about with each conversation. Sure, sure. And you probably stand out for the other person in turn for asking different questions, right? <laughs> I hope so. Yeah. It's like, if it's like the first question that I asked Ari if he'd ever eat human meat, then yeah, probably I'd be pegged as the weird girl who supports <laughs> cannibalism, so... <laughs> Uh, probably not one that has ever been asked before. <laughs> I'd like to, maybe hopefully not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so one thing I really liked that you said, and just curious, is what you called the strength of the vulnerability of connection and that idea we've kind of been talking around how opening yourself up in turn helps to deepen those relationships and deepen those connections. Um, and so I just wanted to talk about that a little bit. Um, aside from these questions, like how do you think people can work in their relationships in their lives to get to that place? Or how have you done that in your own life? Because it seems like that's, that's something that's really important to you beyond just the questions that are in the book. Oh, completely. I was tremendously private and just held everything close to my chest. Um, and I felt like when I was on the show, Bachelor kind of really opened me up because it was for the first time I actually allowed myself to be vulnerable, to say that I was looking for marriage. It was even such a vulnerable thing for me to say. Um, so as soon as I started doing that, I saw if that's the scariest thing that could happen or the worst thing that could happen, you know, after sharing your vulnerability with millions of people on a TV show, then, um, you know, it's, 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 it, I was only, it was only positivity that I got out of that. And I feel like when you're vulnerable with other people, that's where you see love with them because they can relate to you and relate to your vulnerability and you find safety within each other. So, um, so yeah, I've definitely learned that the more vulnerable I am, the, just the more my life opens up to others around me. And I think that's where we're all, we're all looking for that. We're all looking for like that level of connection where we find like camaraderie with people around us. Sure. That's a heck of a first choice to get out there, like really, and be vulnerable, like you said. I mean, the idea of saying you want to get married and, and just trying to meet strangers for that to happen is one thing. But like you said, then letting the whole world watch that happen. Um, yeah. That's, that's really brave. Yeah, it's just like throwing you out there. And 
Um, what's the, I mean, in my mind, I was like, the worst that can happen is that people have a different opinion than me and they just don't agree with what I do, which I can live with, you know, I can live with that. Um, so I don't know. I felt like, and also having a really strong friend and family group has really helped me, um, feel so supported in being myself. So. Sure. Have you been able to maintain those connections this year, like virtually and how has that looked different since we haven't been able to be face to face with those folks? No, exactly. I mean, it's gotten, I feel like it's gotten so much stronger because it's harder. We always say we're going to call somebody and it's always, it's always so difficult to keep up with someone if you can't see them in person. So a lot of my relationships have actually really strengthened because of that. Um, going out, seeing who goes out of their way to call and check up on you or making sure that I go out of my way to check up on certain people. Um, I think those relationships like have really, really strengthened. Um, and some have maybe, um, become less strong. And I think that's just what we're kind of dealing with, with a pandemic kind of world where, you know, you can't meet up with everybody. So you limit your group to like such a small group. Sure. That makes sense. And maybe that's not such a bad thing either. We all go through different phases in our lives, I think. And you kind of ebb and flow and have people you're close with and people you kind of drift away from. Um, that's a nice way to look at it. The people that you're still maintaining that bond with through all of this, it's a pretty strong relationship. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's also the world is changing. So um, just having like the support in such a scary time has, I mean, that's really evolved my relationships with people. Yeah, definitely. So the book has what, 150 questions in it? 150. I mean, I, I picked from 500 plus. I mean, so these are like the questions that are my absolute favorite, the one favorites, the ones that um, have really like impacted conversations, you know, the ones that really spark some really interesting conversations, really interesting topics. Um, and I've had like hours of conversation based off of just one or two. So these are the ones that, um, yeah, these are my favorite questions, like the broad umbrella, I guess, <laughs> a little bit of everything. That had to be hard to whittle that down so much. It was, it makes me want to write another book. I'm like, I, there's so many really interesting questions out there and I'm still collecting, like just because I'm publishing a book doesn't mean I'm not, I'm not collecting anymore. I think I'm always going to like have that original notebook that I add to. Um, but yeah, these are ones that I'm really curious to see how people, how people interact with. Like, I'm curious, like, once the book out there and people can get it in their hands, like, what are their questions? And like, how are they creative with how they use it? Because it, it's kind of just like um, the beginning of curiosity is kind of how I see this book. Yeah, I love that. So I was thinking it might be fun to toss out a couple questions from the book, if you're okay with that. And give give the listeners kind of an idea of the range of questions in the book and let them hear a little bit um, some of your thoughts because you've you've been keeping the questions you've had longer to think about these things than most people right still stump me so <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I picked any that are too hard hopefully but tell me okay. if we're going somewhere you don't want to go oh no. vulnerability you know it's all about <laughs> Um, the first one I saw that I loved was what was the last photo you took? Because we've got our phones on us all the time now, taking photos of everything, right? That's so funny. No, it's so true. Um, I, I love that one because it forces people to go and look at their phone and like, see what they did. Um, I actually remember the last photo that I took was of Pistachio and he 
like I love taking pictures of him when mid like lick so it always gives him like some weird face so it's like him with like a little tongue on the side <laughs> oh no he's my muse he's my photo muse um yeah i'm like one of those people that always brings out my phone and, like shows people pictures of my dog so <laughs> i think you're right like i can't even think what's on my phone i take so many screenshots on my phone i've i've noticed Ooh, yeah thinking about this to remember things it's just it's so different than if this question had been asked like 10, 15 years ago when it was an actual camera. Right. Oh, and then developing it and seeing what that photo would be. Um, oh yeah, I feel like I, my phone space is just completely taken up of just like photos, mainly of pistachio. So, <laughs> the last photo you took, or was it a screenshot? Was it? Let's see, see, I'm that person that has to open it up and look. Oh, no, it was a book photo. I was trying to take some photos of a book I read this weekend to post on Instagram. Um, so I was reading Zadie Smith's Intimations. So I was playing around with some different shots for that, but I haven't gotten one I like yet. So yeah, see, books are hard because you have to get like, you know, the angle and it's like a flat you have surface. So I feel that <laughs> the lighting and if it's a glossy cover and the shit. Yeah. <laughs> No, it's so true. I didn't even think about that. See, I'm still, so I'm in the phase of also trying to figure out how to take pictures of my books. I'm like, how can I, you know, take this two-dimensional type thing and make it, make it look interesting. Yeah. Yeah. There's uh, the bookstagram community out there on Instagram. There are all kinds of people that are way better at it than I am that you can go get a lot of tips from. <laughs> I need it. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's see what else. Oh, I liked this one a lot. If humans came with warning labels, what would yours say? Oh gosh, mine would be warning comes with dead animals <laughs> or something like that. I think that's something that people see as the most jarring thing about me as a person is that I collect taxidermy. And so, um, yeah, I think that's something that I should warn people about. Like if you come into my, my apartment, you're going to see a bunch of taxidermy, so, you know, if you're squeamish, <laughs> what would yours say? Um, I think I'd need a couple of labels, maybe. Yeah. Um, I'd need, like, warning I'm a super nerd and overly analytical um, when I shouldn't be, and um, mm -hmm. I basically still have no idea what I want to do with my life, and I'm trying to figure it out, so. I honestly love that because I... None of us have life figured out. So I don't. <laughs> no idea. So. Yes. so, yeah, I like those. I've been having a lot of conversations about that lately. It's funny, and especially talking with folks about how, as society, they have this idea that, like, you know, you're 18 and you've got to decide you go off to college, you go get a job, you do this. Like, I don't, I didn't know who I was when I was 18. I'm still trying to figure that out. How in the world do you decide what you want to go, quote unquote, do with your life, you know? <laughs> And I always feel like I'm envisioning an end goal. Like, oh, when I get to this point, then that's it. It's never like that. I'm always on the go, trying to get somewhere. Um, my brother just graduated from college this year. And how intimidating is it to like graduate and to come into a world where most of the jobs are kind of at a standstill right now, you know? So it's interesting to have the perspective of when I graduated and was trying to figure out what I wanted to be and my first steps, and then to see how my brother is right now. Um, and it's such a different world. So sure, for sure. I, I've been thinking about that too. I feel bad for kids that are coming out of high school 
like their senior yeah. year of high school last last school year, this school year, same thing with college. It's just it's hard enough to navigate in a in a quote unquote normal year, but yeah, now it's like, oh, you're not only are you out of you know the safe bubble of college and <laughs> thrust into the real world, yeah, now the job jobs are harder to find. There's new jobs being invented, so yeah. There's no safe bubble anywhere <laughs> in America this year. Um, let's see, maybe, can I pick one or two more? You still good? Yeah, this is fine. Hmm. What do you appreciate most about your family? I like that. Um, yeah, I love this one because um, my family means so much. I'm incredibly close to them. And what I appreciated that most about my family is that, um, this is so many, but um, some things that I've always loved is that they treat most pain with humor. And that's taught me to never wallow in the pain of, you know, what's temporary, you know, pain's temporary. So they've taught me to just laugh at things and to um, always see the positive in any situation. And they've also were tremendously um, open to allowing me to um, experience life and to make up my own mind with things. And so I liked the freedom of developing into somebody um, just like it was, it was just nice to see over time developing to my own person as opposed to being controlled or conformed to be a certain way. So, um, yeah, I, I love my family so much. So that's a good question. <laughs> yeah. And those are all such important things that you said too. Yeah. How about you? Um, you know, I think I didn't get this when I was a kid or even when I was like growing up in high school and all, but what I can look back and appreciate so much more now is um, like my dad went through working a job. He didn't really want to work for a long time. Um, and finally, when I got older, quit that and decided to go do something else, which when I was a teenager caused us to have to move. And I was like, I'm leaving all my friends and things are very different when you're in a smaller house and you know, like all the things that as a teenager are a big deal. Um, but in hindsight, I really appreciate, and this kind of ties into what you were saying, like that, that ability for him to go do something that's going to make him happy. And so that was really a lasting lesson that I'm still trying to navigate as I do different things in my life. Like, you know, money isn't everything. Having a certain job or title isn't everything. You've really got to look at the priorities in your life um, and do something that is going to make you happy before you do something just because you feel like you have to do it. Yeah. I really, I really like that lesson because, you know, never follow the money, always follow what you're passionate about. And you're always going to strive to be the best version of that passion. So I really, I really like that lesson. Yeah. There's a, a practical caveat, you know, adulting. I mean, obviously, like you've got to do something to pay the bills, which is how much of a bummer is that, you know? <laughs> You're an adult, you can eat ice cream whenever you want, but you have to be able to like pay for that. <laughs> mm -hmm. like... I have a five year old. I'm trying to start teaching him lessons about money right now. And um, yeah, he's like, What? Like that costs what? You just don't get it? And I'm like, No, no, we just yeah. don't get all the things from nowhere. <laughs> life you know you have to collect the points <laughs> and disperse them wisely yeah was, money was such an interesting concept for me too growing up I I always would save my money all year and buy one thing and I used to collect dolls which is probably the precursor to me being creepy already <laughs> like tax <laughs> but being so psyched saving my money up all year to buy like this one doll and that was like my world but it's so much more complicated now. Now there's like 
there's bills, you have to pay for food, so much. I'd love to just spend all my money on food and traveling. That'd be great. <laughs> right? That's a pretty good yeah. skill to have as a kid to save all year for one thing. The delayed gratification is a hard thing, even for like me as a grown up. Yeah, I had like these weird obsessions. I've always, I've always been the kind of person that's had weird obsessions. So like, I remember wanting to buy a metal detector. Like that was a huge deal for me, like saving up to buy a metal detector. And then I really wanted a golf cart. I don't know. I just had these weird like goals. So interesting. Can I ask what you wanted the metal detector for? Like, what were you hoping to find? I've always, again, I've always been a collector. So my goal was to be rich, like by going to the beach, I'm like trying to find, I was like envisioning myself getting like these big rings and like, you know, cause maybe you look at the, on TV, uh, they have these metal detectors and they're like, you know, getting all this really interesting, like pricey things. I don't know. I picture myself just being like some explorer looking for all these treasures and yeah. I never ended Not up how that worked out. <laughs> it was a good idea though, right? Yeah, the vision was there. I definitely had the goal. Um, I changed my mind by the time uh, it came around. <laughs> but yeah. That's fair enough too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, okay, I'm going to do one last question and I'm going to use this to segue into books because one of the questions in your book is what is the last book that you read? Which of course I love. I love that question too, because just seeing where people are curious. Um, the last book I read, I love Michael Pollan. Um, I love his, I lo just love his writings, amazing journalist. So um, I've read all his other books, but the last book I'm reading is How to Change Your Mind. And it's really interesting. Um, the whole book is basically about like psychedelics and the history of it and how to change, you know, and when I started reading it, I had no idea what it was going to be about. I just knew that it was one of his books. And uh, it's been really interesting, yeah, to hear the history of that and how the mind works within that space. That does sound fascinating. Okay, cool. This is what I always love doing, like, about doing these chats, because I come away and I'm adding more books to my okay. list of things to read. Omnivore's Dilemma by Michael Pollan is great. Like, that's what got me hooked. Okay. I've heard of that and haven't read it. It's, it's Yeah, it's really good. Highly yeah. recommend. 10 stars. <laughs> um, my last one, well, the last one I finished was Zadie Smith, which I mentioned before, but I'm kind of never between books. Like as soon as I put one down, I go ahead and pick the next one up so I can keep it moving. And I started for the first time the autobiography of Mal Malcolm X. So I'm already learning so much and I'm like 30 pages into it. So really cool. Nice. Yeah. There's so many, so many interesting just interesting books and perspectives out there. Like I, that's why I love reading. Just always having something to broaden your mind. Yeah. So have you been a lifelong reader? Like it's interesting to me with people, either they've loved it as a kid mm -hmm. or every once in a while you'll find somebody that didn't read it all as a kid and then picked it up, you know? Yeah. I've always been a book nerd. Always. Um, I started with fiction and I was super into Harry Potter, really into just like all those teen fictions um and then i started this club well i was a part of this club in high school called called um smiley mom smiley mom foundation um and it was basically was rehabilitating um females in cambodia who were in sex trafficking and i read smiley mom road of lost innocence and that book was so impactful to me um just about her life and how she got out of sex trafficking and how she was 
um, helping other women who've been in the same situation as she was. And so since then, I've never read another fiction book again. Because I was like, you know, the real world is so impactful and there's so much to read about it that I got to go all factual. So since then, I've just been a big science, botany, zoologist, um, um, social science nerd. So. Wow, that's really interesting. So, like, seriously, you haven't read a fiction book at all since, like, how old were you? Um, since high school. I don't know how exactly. Maybe I was, like, early teens. Um, but, but, yeah, so I did try to read The Alchemist, which someone had recommended to me. Um, and that was the only other fiction book that I read. Um, I didn't even finish it. I don't know why. I mean, I know there's so many great lessons in that book, and it's such a powerful book. But um, I was like... I, I can't live in metaphor. I have to live in fact. So I don't know. It's just some weird thing that's in my mind now. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, everybody is a different kind of reader. Some people kind of read certain genres of fiction. I know some people prefer nonfiction. You might be the first, you're actually the first person for the series, but you might be the first person I can remember that strictly reads nonfiction, which is very cool. Um, yeah. I was kind of the opposite for a long time, reading to escape from the, from the world. And I'm trying to get more nonfiction now, so. Yeah, I mean, fiction is beautiful. There's so many lessons to be learned through fiction. Um, I almost wish that I could jump back into it sometimes, you know? Sure. It's <laughs> the romanticism of the world. <laughs> yes. There, I mean, there's pros and cons to each. So what, like, what would you consider then, and since you've been in this nonfiction world, some, like, must-reads that people, and maybe especially for people, if you can think, like, that don't read as much nonfiction, that might be kind of interesting, some things that they got to check out. Oh, there's so many amazing books. Um, I would say Odd Couples is a really cool book, because it's about sexual dimorphism, which is the difference between males and females in different species. Um, and I thought that was really fascinating because males and females are like so incredibly different in different animal species. Like the angler fish, how the females like this huge, like giant, scary looking, you know, fish and the male is like a little tiny guppy that fuses onto her body and like supplies her with sperm. Insane. Um, I really liked Blue Zones. So a bunch of National Geographic artists got together and made a book about people who lived the longest, healthiest lives, like sanitarians, um, which is people who live to be 100 plus. Really fascinating. I feel like I got a lot of information about how I could live to be like long and healthy, you know, like a long, healthy life. Um, and I love all of Mary Roach's books. She did um, Bonk, Stiff. I really like Stiff because it's about what you can do with your body after you die. So it's just really kind of cool to see, like, even if you die, you don't technically own your body, you know, it's just really weird. Um, and yeah, I mean, there's just so many really cool ones out there. I can keep going, but yeah, those are a few of my favorites. Interesting. I've heard of Stiff. Okay, so maybe I'll have to bump that up my list. And then you said, was it Blue Zones? Okay. Mm -hmm. That sounds really fascinating because I've, I've wondered that, you know, you see, especially like an in internet story, so-and-so is turning 112 and what did they do? And yeah, I mean, humans have kind of been able to live to be the same age, just more people are living longer, you know? So it's like life expectancy of a human hasn't like really gone, like gotten larger but because of medicine and like the foods we eat, it's gotten better. But, um, but yeah, I, I love, I love that book. 
Do you have, if you decided at some point down the road you wanted to try a fiction book again, do you have like a, a genre you'd try to hop into? <laughs> or just none of it sounds remotely interesting at this point? I mean, I want to. I mean, I feel like there's so, there are so many interesting stories out there that you can live vicariously through somebody else because of their, you know, you're as if you're living to be a different person. And I've always loved that. Um, but maybe I'd read another Harry Potter book, something magical. Yeah, or I love sci-fi. So I, I, I would love to maybe read like some kind of, so maybe there's a little bit of fact in there, you know? So maybe I get behind like a sci-fi one. Yeah, yeah. that's a good trade-off. Yeah. I'd be into Battlestar Galactica. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I read an interesting book that's coming out next year. It's called The Echo Wife by Sarah Gailey. And it took the, I'm just thinking about like science and things that build off of science. Um, it took the idea of genetic cloning um, really in, in, to a point where it was happening and we're cloning these people to use them either for organs or to go out and do some sort of event and that's it. Or it was really interesting and quite creepy. <laughs> Kind of like Star Wars, right? Oh, that would be really interesting. Yeah, it scares me a little bit to think about those sort of things that like could be real and how it can go really wrong because there's enough. Definitely. Like there's I feel like there's so many warnings. We we're even giving ourselves warnings about like potential, you know, apocalyptic futures. So <laughs> we'll see. When it's happening. If it's not zombies, it'll be computers taking over, I'm sure. <laughs> That's true, too, and equally as scary to me. Yes. <laughs> I'm just waiting for the aliens. <laughs> um, one more book question. Is there anything that you're looking forward to that's coming out before the end of the year or anything that's, like, on your stack that you want to make sure you read before 2020 is over? Yeah, I mean, I'm really into foraging. Um, and so I've been recently getting into, like, different forms of foraging. Um, I have this book, All That the Rain Provides and More, and it's about mushroom foraging. Um, and so I wanted, to, so I guess it's like a goal of mine to read that, but also use it in the wild. <laughs> um, so um, I wanna try like lobster mushroom and chanterelles and, and like chicken of the woods. There's like so many that I want to just go out and forage. Um, so, I mean, that's why I love like science books too. It's like there's, so I just read The Hidden Life of Trees, which I love because now whenever I go outside, I look at a tree and I, I know like what it's saying. It sounds weird, but like I, I can understand it so much more and I can see it. I know where it is in its life. And so I love books like that. So I kind of want to get more into like the foraging route and exercising that, you know, just with the time off being able to be in nature and escaping. Sure. That's fascinating and really useful. And I kind of joke about this, but it's really serious, I guess. I was like, if we ever have like the zombie apocalypse, um, I've been calling this year the apocalypse because hopefully it's as close as we'll get. But I was like, I'd be the person that couldn't make it. Like I would eat the poison mushroom. I would have no idea what I'm doing, what's safe. <laughs> Not if you had the book that I have, all that the rain provides more. So I think one of the more funny foraging books. So there's like a bunch of quirky things in there. So <laughs> yeah, you'd survive. <laughs> I need to get it. I mean, I really wouldn't without it. It's just, I'm not, yeah, I'm not skilled. I need more nonfiction in my life is what you have taught me today for sure. <laughs> you can use it in the real world, you know, like I, animals and plants are eatable. 
<laughs> there we go. And hopefully we won't have to eat the humans. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's like later down the line, you know, Donner party. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Kendall, this has been really enjoyable and fascinating to hear um, more nonfiction. Like I said, just for me as a nerd, because that's something I'm trying to get more into. So I've enjoyed all of your suggestions. Thank um, you. Just a reminder for folks, your book, Just Curious, comes out in November. Is it the 18th? Is that right? Yeah. November mm -hmm. 18th. Um, so I'm super excited for that to get out in the world. And like you said, see how people are going to use it. Yeah, yeah. I'm so excited to like share people's minds and like the connections they've made. I think that's going to be the most, I don't think it ends just with the book. I think I just want to see how it impacts people, you know, because it impacted me so much. So I'm just excited to see where people take it. Absolutely. Um, do you want to tell folks where they can find you on social media so they can keep getting updates on your book and your mushroom hunting and everything else you're doing? <laughs> so Instagram is the best place to get updates. Um, my Instagram is it's Kendall Long and my website is kendallong.com. So that's where you can buy the book. Um, I'm doing pre-orders for a specialty edition, but um, the normal release is November 18th. So yeah, just excited to get that going. Okay. Perfect. And if they want to pre-order, is that, that's on your website? Is that right? Um, Kendallong.com. Yes. Okay. Perfect. And we'll put all of this in notes too. So everybody has, um, has all of the links, but yeah, thank you so much for taking the time to chat. This was really fun. Yes, it was really fun. Thank you. It's such a unique interview. And I, I mean, books, I can nerd out on books all, all, all day. So <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> Me too. Yeah, it's hard. I try to kind of like narrow the scope of questions because I'm the same way. Like I could sit here and talk to you for six hours about books and, you know, you have oh. things to do. <laughs> all right. Well, you take care. I wish you the best with the book release and um, look forward to seeing it out in the world for you. Thank you, love. Thank you. <laughs> Have a good one. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. That's it for this edition of Conversations with Unexpected Book Nerds. You can find Kendall on Instagram at It's Kendall Long and on Twitter at Kendall Patrice. You can also find her website at www.kendallong.com. Be sure to check out Kendall's new book, Just Curious, a notebook of questions, out November 18th. I am Beth Mowbray, and you can find me on Instagram at B is for books. That's B dot is for books. Also, be sure to check out more great content right here at the Nerd Daily.